You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. So here's the dealio. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Full disclosure. Um, number one, I'm not feeling it so much anymore, which happens all the time. Anytime I'm like, we're going to do this project that's going to take like a friggin' week and a half. I'm going to do one or two and then be like, dude, I don't want to do this. This sucks. But even bigger than that, I'm as I'm saying the words that I'm saying doing these podcasts, and I could be way off. Maybe you guys love it. I have no idea. I'm thinking to myself, why would somebody listen to this? I mean, I, I do find a lot of it interesting, but I'm, I'm just thinking, is this what people want to listen to? I don't know. It's a self-conscious thing that I go... It's one of the negative things of being a podcaster is I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. I'm, I'm going to come up with an idea that I think would be interesting. And then as you're doing it, I have zero idea if anybody likes this or not. I don't know. I know the ranting thing is popular, right? I get that. Even though after about six or seven rants, I'm like, are they getting tired of this? I don't know. Anyways, so that's where I'm at. I'm sitting here thinking... Are we going to do this through the whole schedule? Because we're not even halfway done yet. I mean, we don't have to hit the NFC North teams again, so we can scratch those off. But here's what I'm thinking. Maybe less detail, more big picture, and we'll do more teams. If we can get the whole rest of the schedule done today, bonus. But that's where I'm at. And if you want a more in-depth look, um, you can call in a Packernet after dark and ask specific questions, or wait until we actually play these teams, and that's when we're going to go hard into it. All right? So that'll be kind of what we're gonna do Alrighty. so up to this point we've done uh the bears the falcons the saints the lions the raiders the broncos and the Vikings. up next we have the rams steelers chargers we're gonna skip the lions because we already did that then we have the chiefs the giants the bucks the panthers and then we're done because we don't need to talk about the vikings and bears again so how many is that seven teams i think we could do seven today let's do seven today so i suppose we better get started here we start off with a dear old friend, the L.A. Rams, and I actually just saw that, um, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but there's rumors floating around that the Rams are looking to move their quarterback, and of course, based on the contract, which is a disaster because of the whole all-in thing, they can't move them. But the point is, they're, that, that's one of the negatives of um, of this whole you know all-in thing, depending on how you do it. Because you could say, well, look, you can go all-in, and then, you know kind of dump everybody and restart. I mean, you know, if you look kind of like what the Packers did, they were in a bad way, and then they got real good real fast. But the difference is what the Packers did was not all in. The Packers just had a bad team and were able to fix it quickly because they were fiscally responsible. But when you're fiscally irresponsible, you get stuck with contracts. And so you can't even tear down. You have to tear down and rebuild, but you're stuck with these guys. Even if you wanted to move Aaron Donald, which at this point is probably the right move because there's no point in keeping him, and you can get a freaking haul, you can't move him because his contract is so astronomical, it, it, it's, it's impossible. There would be a $60 million dead cap hit if they tried to move him. The guy's already said he wanted to retire like a year or two ago. He was contemplating it. And he's like, nah, I'll keep playing. I'm still really good. I'll make some, I'll, t- I'll take the money, I guess. They should, if, if they had the ability, could you imagine? The guy's only got like one or two years left before he decides to retire. They're going to clean up with draft picks if they could move him. They can't. It's $60 million. So they're stuck. Same with Matt Stafford. They want to move on. He's broke down. He can't do anything anymore. His body's broken. I broke my back spinal 
but nobody will touch them because nobody wants to pay the amount of money that the Rams have put on these contracts. So they're stuck with it. So they can't begin their teardown. So they're stuck with this team floating into obscurity, and then they're going to get nothing for these guys. Aaron Donald's going to retire. Matt Stafford's going to retire. They're going to get no compensation. And then they can begin to rebuild everything. I mean, it's just, this is, these are the ramifications. It's not just, let's go all in, and then if we don't do it, we'll just tear down, rebuild, and then go all in like two years later. You can't do that. You are stuck. But anyways, we're rocking with uh, Sean McVay once again. This is, uh, I think, year seven for head coach Sean McVay. And they went from a 12-5 and Super Bowl victory to a 5-12 and season last year. And they started the season 3-3. Three and three. They won three out of five games between weeks two and six. And then after their bye week, they lost to the 49ers, lost to the Buccaneers, lost to the Cardinals, lost to the Saints, lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Seahawks, beat the Raiders, lost to the Packers, beat the Broncos, and then lost to the Chargers, lost to the Seahawks. And that's how it ended. Packers spanked them 24-12. to Their offense, which of course was the whole calling card, right? Sean McVay, right? This whole big, amazing thing. Which, by the way, is Sean McVay ever going to catch heat? Or is he just enshrined because he was good at one time? Because we, we got to figure out how this works, right? Is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it a combination? I don't exactly know how that works. Because Matt LaFleur doesn't get any credit because he's got a quarterback that's really good. Right? Everybody else apparently is a bum, but he's got a quarterback, so we can't give him any respect. Well, why isn't Sean McVay winning now that he doesn't have things working out? I mean, they won a Super Bowl after they spent... I mean, and they've been irresponsible for a long time. They've given away all their draft picks, all their money. Do you think maybe that's helped prop up Sean McVay? I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I'm just asking what the criteria is here. If you can't give respect to a coach because he's got a lot of help... I don't know how Sean McVay can be included in that. In fact, Andy Reid, who I think is maybe the best coach in the NFL, we, we got to start looking at him as maybe not being a good coach, right? Or something. I don't know exactly how that works. Anyways, 27th ranked offense in terms of points. They were dead last in yards. Their defense was 21st, and then they were 19th in yards given up on defense. Um, they are bringing back Raheem Morris. I think this is year three for him, defensive coordinator. But there is a new offensive coordinator in town, and that is Mr. Mike LaFleur. It's kind of funny that it's the, the job that his brother had, the offensive coordinator in L.A. under Sean McVay. And that's the job that kind of catapulted Matt LaFleur into the job he has now, because it certainly wasn't t t uh, Tennessee that did it. So as of right now, the forecast for the Rams is seven and a half wins. I think that's kind of normal for a lot of teams. Most of these projections are kind of middle because there's a whole regression to the mean thing, right? If you had less than seven wins, it it's it's kind of a, it's kind of like, pushing a beach ball under the water when you're at the swimming pool you know it just it fights to get back up there teams that were under are likely to get back to that seven that's why the bears are projected higher and the rams are projected higher it's hard to stay down that low for that long so if you won five games or four games or three games or whatever you're probably projected seven anyways um let me read a couple key points here about the rams and this uh little thing that i bought in 2022, the Rams had a defense that counted $96 million against the cap, which is seventh most, and cost $105 million in cash. Uh. In 2023, they spent only $59 million in cash, which is dead last, on the roster that counts $63 million against the cap, which is dead last. So they went from one of the most expensive defenses to one of the least expensive defenses. Because while they are stuck with some people, the people that they're not stuck with, they're starting to get rid of. We'll get to that in a minute. It almost makes the fact that their offense shifted from number one to number 25 in cash and from 74 million to 95 million in cap seem insignificant. From number seven to 32 on defense, from number one to 25 on offense. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that there's a correlation between spending and how good you should be. In a perfect world, that's kind of true, but it only assumes that everybody's being responsible and you also have to not understand about rookie contracts, right? The Packers offense is discounted because we don't spend any money here. But that's because everybody's on a rookie contract, you idiot. The Rams spent a lot, but it's only because they're on the back end of this all-in thing where they're overspending because all the contracts are, bl are, are bloated and ballooned. But it still doesn't necessarily change the fact that you're spending all this money on all these players and getting no results. And now you're spending significantly less. Part of that is because of the contracts being a little bit more reasonable, 
But the only reason they're more reasonable is because you're getting rid of all the players that had the inflated contracts. Who had the inflated contracts? The really good football players. At least presumed good. None of them, I don't think, (laughs) performed up to standards. Um, They drafted 14 players this year and spent the 32nd most amount of money in free agency, just $6.8 Kudos to them, by the way, for actually having draft picks. They didn't have a first-round pick, but they sure did accumulate a ton of... See, they had four fifth-round picks, three sixth-round picks, and three seventh-round picks. So they did their best to accumulate players, even though they had very little on the top end. In the prior four years, they didn't draft more than nine players in any draft, and last year they spent the 10th most amount of money in free agency. At the end of the day, because you got to understand... There was a talk of philosophy when it came to, for example, the Green Bay Packers versus the LA Rams. And people saying the Rams are doing it maybe the right way. Maybe this is the way to do it. Trade away your picks and blah, 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 blah. That, that isn't a sustainable way to play football. And we're learning that because the Rams are already off of it. They have shifted from spending all the money and, you know, screw them picks to, crap, we don't have any money, so we can't spend any. Let's try to acquire as many picks as possible. Welcome back. Now, whether or not, you know, they, they may try to go back in and we'll see if that's their whole strategy. We're going to take however many years it takes because the, the teardown process has clearly begun. It's clearly not done. Two of the most expensive players are still stuck there, but they're starting to purge and they're acquiring players through the draft. They're going to have to do this again next year. Same process. We'll see how many years it takes of obscurity. Maybe it was one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. And then let's see if they go all in again. And how many years of all in will you do before you win, if you win? I mean, we'll have to track this over like 10 years to see if they can steal one more. Because, hey, if you can win one one every 10 years, some people will take that. I wouldn't if it means nine years of garbage obscurity or seven or eight or whatever. But, um, yeah, we'll see how it pans out, I guess. Goes on to say, this had been a team built through trades or key players in free agency, not through the draft. Want to know the Rams' single most expensive free agent they signed from another team this offseason? Backup quarterback Brett Ripien to a one-year $1.1 million deal. That's it. They also have Hunter Long that they acquired in a trade, but that's that's it. That's the only thing they did. It also goes on to talk about how the Rams went from being the, the most lucky team over one, two, three, four, five years. Um, they ranked fifth, second, tenth, fourth, and number one in terms of injury luck over five years. In 2022, they were dead last, the most injured team in football. Now, you could look at that if it was a different team and say, well, then they're going to bounce back because it was unfairly, uh, you know, whatever, except they got rid of a bunch of players. Anyways, here's a couple stats about the Rams last year. Points per drive, 22nd. Touchdowns per drive, 21st. Um, turnovers per drive, they ranked 29th. Third and out percentage, they ranked 29th. Yards per drive, 30th. They were just awful. So getting into a little bit about the team, here are the players... So I, I mentioned who they added, right? They added Hunter Long, the tight end, in a trade. And then they added backup quarterback Brett Ripien for $1.1 million. Here are the players that they lost. Jalen Ramsey is now a Dolphin. That seems pretty massive. I've been saying for a long time he's the most overrated cornerback in, in, in the NFL. But he's still a freaking good cornerback. Allen Robinson went to the Steelers. Leonard Floyd, edge rusher, went to the Bills. Matt Gay, their kicker, is now with the Colts. Bobby Wagner, really big player for them, is with, back with the Seahawks. Ashawn Robinson, defensive tackle, is with the Giants. Troy Hill is still a free agent. Baker Mayfield, quarterback, with the Buccaneers. Nick Scott, safety, with the Bengals. Greg Gaines, defensive tackle, is with the Buccaneers. David Edwards is with the Bills. Taylor Rapp, safety, pretty young guy, is with the Bills. A lot of Bills guys just <laughs> bargain hunting over here. Uh, Riley Dixon, the punter, is now a Bronco. David Long, cornerback, is with the Raiders. Brandon Powell, wide receiver, is with the Vikings. Matt Orzek, long snapper, is with the Packers. Ode Abushi, whatever, long, uh, long. Uh, left guard, is still a free agent. Ty Neshecki, left tackle, is still a free agent. Chandler Brewer is with the Jaguars. Malcolm Brown, running back, is still a free agent. Matt Skura is a free agent. John Wolford, quarterback, is with the Buccaneers. Traven Howard, linebacker, is with the Bills. All those players. That's 23 players they lost, including Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, their kicker, Bobby Wagner, Ashawn Robinson. I mean, there's a lot of pretty big players here. I mean, even Taylor Rapp. I'm a little biased because I liked him in college. 
But, I mean, that's a starting safety you lost. As of right now, the Rams are only favored in two games this year. And on average, they are, they are um, 3.1 point underdogs. And so looking at their starting roster as a whole, I mean, Matt Stafford is, I mean, it's one of those if he's healthy things, which of course I hate that phrase, but it matters in this case because he has some pretty serious health issues. He missed almost the entire second half of the season, and I don't know where his health stands. Now, he's been pretty consistent from 2016 to 2021. All the way through. And in fact, he's been, looks like a little bit better with the Rams. If, if he can stay healthy and return to form, he's going to be back to being roughly a top 15 to top 10 quarterback, which is what he's been, you know, the last, well, let's say since 2016. Most of his career, he's been that. But there are some big question marks there. Uh, Cooper Cup is still Cooper Cup. Fantastic wide receiver. He is 30 years old, but not really showing any signs of slowing down. Um, Van Jefferson is a pretty mediocre Number two, then it looks like uh, Bennett Skoranek is the only other would be, I, I guess, their number three wide receiver, and that's that's kind of a disaster of a situation, but whatever. The offensive line, not great. Left tackle Joseph Noteboom is not a very good football player. It looks like left guard is Tremaine Ancrum. Literally never heard of him in my life. Um, he was a seventh-round pick in 2020. Doesn't look like he's really ever played any significant amount of snaps. The center, as of right now, is Coleman Shelton, another guy I've never heard of before. He was undrafted in 2018, and the only time he played any significant snaps was last year, and he had a 58 grade. Um, right guard is Steve Avila. That was their second-round pick in 2023, their only kind of early pick. So we'll see how that pans out. you got a rookie there. And then Rob Havenstein is their right tackle, and he's pretty solid. He's 31 years old, so he's also got to get going here out the door pretty soon. But that's that's about it. They've got a, a right tackle, a to be polite, subpar left tackle. In the interior is a joke. You have a left guard who's basically never played football, a center that's basically never played football, and when they have, they've been bad, and a right guard that's a rookie. That's a disaster. Higby is their tight end. He ranked 32nd last year. So, I mean, whatever. The defense, of course is Aaron Donald. But at this point, it's literally just Aaron Donald. That's it. I mean, they've got... <laughs> the, the, the rest of the defensive line is Marquise Copeland, who is, I guess, kind of competent. He was an undrafted player in 2019. Never really played in, in 2019, 2020, 2021. He played a little bit, but not enough to be ranked, so I'm not even going to include it. 2022 was his first year playing enough, which probably is becoming common with the Rams, because, you know... We, we have to get these guys playing now. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel of our roster. But he ranked 44th, which isn't the worst. It was a 67 grade. And then their number three defensive tackle is Jonah Williams, who is a 2020 undrafted free agent. Their entire team is undrafted free agents. We've got eight first-round picks. They've probably got eight undrafted free agents. Um, his first year actually playing significant snaps, which is about a third of last season, a quarter-ish, he had a 53 grade. So Aaron Donald a mid-defensive tackle in Copeland, a terrible defensive tackle in Williams. Then you look at their edge rushers, and you have, I think it's like edge one is Michael Hooked. I don't know what that is. A 2020, say it with me, undrafted free agent. Didn't play in 2020, played just a very little bit in 2021. 2022, the first year he's ever really taken significant snaps. 65 grade, 60 pass rush, ranked 74th as a pass rusher. And then it looks like third-round pick Byron Young is going to be their number two, possibly their number one pass rusher. You know you're in a bad way when your third-round rookie might have to be the number one guy. Then you look at their corners. Fourth-round, second-year player, Kobe Durant, who didn't even play enough last year to be ranked. Um, he, did a, he did grade out fairly well, but he played one, two, three, four, five-ish games. So there's that, the fourth-round pick going into year two. The number two corner was uh ranked 117th out of 118 corners that is their starting cornerback at linebacker they've got uh, christian rosenboom who's uh was an undrafted free agent <laughs> in 2020 <laughs> he's never played enough to be ranked so he this is his first time ever really playing as a starter um and then ernest jones who is a third round pick in 2021 
Uh, he ranked 32nd and 42nd last year with a 63 grade, one of the better players they have on this defense. Then there's the safeties, Jordan Fuller, who was a 2026th round pick. He had a, um, uh, well, he only played a couple snaps last year. 74 grade in 2021, which is good, but probably won't be maintained. And then Russ Yeast is the other safety. He was a 2022 seventh round pick. Every undrafted free agent and seventh round pick, which, by the way, why are these all undrafted free agents and seventh round picks? They gave away all their picks. There were no first or second round picks for the Rams for years. That's why they don't exist on the roster. They're not here. Their entire team is made. Is this, I'm being dead serious. All you all in people, is this what you want? Because this is what it looks like. This is unbelievable. And, and even with all these nobodies, they spent the least amount in free agency. Why? They have no money. They have no players and no money. That's unbelievable. The amount of dead money that they have with all these guys that left, on top of the fact that they're still paying way too much for the couple of stars that they have left, this is a disaster. And if they move on next year from Aaron Donald, I think it's going to cost them about $30 million. Which, by the way, is probably why they won't, because it's only going to cost $1 million more to keep them. But it's going to be $34 million for a 33-year-old Aaron Donald. So again, at what point do we clean up this roster and the salary cap so that we can move on to other things? Well, you, you, I mean, in 2025, he's going to cost you $16 million when he leaves. So there's still an expense there. This year, next year, and the year after. It's manageable to some degree, but that's still painful. Just for one guy. That's a quarterback draft cap hit. His cap hit right now is $26 million. That's the 12th highest cap hit of any player in the NFL. It's a big number. So anyways, if we can't beat that team, tank time, baby. Tank time. But I mean, even if Jordan Love is bad, I don't care. We got to beat that team. That's a joke. That team is a freaking joke. Anyways, probably won't get all seven done, but let's uh, rip through the next one here. So that was our home game. We had two home games in a row. We played the Vikings at noon. Then we had the Rams at noon, November 5th. Then we have Sunday at noon, but on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I've already been saying without doing a deep dive that I'm a little worried about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got Pickens going into year two. He showed some flashes. He was nowhere near as good as the hype, but I I loved him in college. He was impressive as a rookie, and Pickett scares the living crap out of me. Because you start looking at some of these advanced metrics, especially the second half of the year, and we're talking Pickett as a top three quarterback. But anyways, let's dig in and see if I'm an idiot. All right, so 2022, Mike Tomlin, man. What a freaking legend. (laughs) 16 years he's been a head coach for this team. 16 years. Dude, I remember saying back in the day that the the two teams that always reminded me of the Packers were the, the, the Steelers. For a lot of reasons, just, I mean, we always kind of had similar records. We were both like, they were like the AFC equivalent of like being that playoff team that just can't quite get over the hump. You've got these, I mean, I think uh, McCarthy was from Pittsburgh. So you got these tough old school coaches. And then the other team was the Saints because it's just sort of similar situation where it's an offensive powerhouse with no defense that just can't quite get there mostly because of the defense. Great quarterback, the whole thing. But Tomlin's still rocking, man. That's crazy. I was very down on Pittsburgh last year. Um, I forget exactly what the whole thing was. I know I was down on them, and a lot of people were really high on them because Tomlin never has a losing record, I think is what it was. Um, but this is pretty wild. 9-8, and eight obviously, is not a good record. That is until you recognize they started the season 2-6. and six. That was before their bye week. Then they come out of their bye week, and they beat the Saints lose to the Bengals by only seven, by the way. Bengals, one of the premier AFC teams. It was 30-37. to Then they play the Colts, beat them. Then they play the Falcons, beat them. Then they play the Ravens and lose, but only by two. Then they play the Panthers and beat them. They beat the Raiders. They beat the Ravens the second time around. Hilariously, they they lost the first time 16-14. Then they won the second time 16-13. Then they beat the Browns 28-14. Now, a lot of these are close games. It could have gone either way. They very easily could have lost to the Colts, which is an embarrassment. That's a one-score game. The Falcons, terrible team. They only won by three. But they also were two points away from beating the Ravens and seven points away from beating the Bengals. We're talking nine points away from being undefeated after their bye week. And, And again, their quarterback, second half of the season, it turned on. And they, uh, they went seven and two. 
I mean, it's it's a legit question to ask what would happen if they got into the playoffs. Now, are they going to beat the Chiefs and all that? Probably not. But am I looking at them in 2023 and saying, freaking watch out? A little bit I am, yeah. So they ended the season 26th on offense. And, and really, that kind of holds true even in their win streak. Um, they did manage to score 30 in their loss to the Bengals. Otherwise, it was 20, 24, 19, 14, 24, 13, 16, and 28. Those are pretty low-scoring games, and they won largely with defense. But that's not a reason not to be scared of them. The fact that their defense is, is premier and the fact that their offense, although having some glaring issues, seems to maybe have a quarterback, maybe a wide receiver. You know, they're, they're building, right? But anyways, this is year two of uh, Terrell Austin as defensive coordinator, year three of Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. They're projected eight and a half wins, so Vegas doesn't really buy it. Again, everything kind of pulls back to the middle, so it's not necessarily an indictment. It's just kind of a mathematical where are they going to fall. Let's just put them in the middle, but kind of the high side of the middle, I guess. Obviously, teams like the Chiefs are going to have higher projections, but even they are all, I mean, you know, when the Packers won 13 games every year, they were never projected 13. They were projected probably 10, maybe 11. But anyways, let me read this little blurb here, or at least a part of it. The Steelers vastly exceeded expectations last last year. That much is true regardless of which side of the line you stand on. The line I'm referring to is drawn down the middle between pro-Mike Tomlin and anti-Mike Tomlin. The pro-Tomlin crowd sees a team that hasn't had a losing season for 16 consecutive years under his leadership. No other team in the NFL can claim such a feat. What they might not realize is the Steelers have covered the spread at the fourth highest rate over the last decade as well. So that's exceeding expectations. Now, maybe the expectations are just too low, but it's still a worthwhile thing to note. If the point spread is the equalizer used to best determine whether a team is exceeding or falling short of expectations, and the Steelers have exceeded expectations over the last decade better than all the all but three other teams. The anti-Tomlin crowd sees a team that hasn't won a playoff game in six years. Their last playoff win was in 2016. Well, that doesn't sound like long ago. Only nine teams have a longer active drought without a playoff win. The Steelers' 2008 Super Bowl win seems like ages ago, as does a return trip in 2010, which saw a loss to the Packers. Ayo! There's an interesting debate for daytime sports talk shows. Would you rather be a fan of a team that has never had a losing season, is always competitive, but never wins a Super Bowl? Boy, does that sound familiar. Or a fan of a team that rarely wins, but puts together a magical Super Bowl run once every 10 years or so. I mean, this is obviously a much more bleak situation than the Packers, who, you know, I mean, let's just face it, they've been a better team over this spread, but it's similar. It continues, I'm not sure the anti-Tomlin crowd realizes this next tidbit. The Chiefs are NFL royalty. The Bills are one of the best teams in the league since 2000, and... Uh, those two teams have the most wins in the AFC over the last three years. But do you realize the team with the third most wins in the AFC over the last three years is the Steelers? 30 wins over the last three years behind only the Chiefs and the Bills. Only four teams in the NFL have winning seasons in each of their last three years. The Chiefs, Bills, Steelers, and Dolphins. 2022 freaking just crushed a lot of things. So, anyways, that's that's just kind of giving us a peek behind the curtain of what's going on over there in Pittsburgh. A lot of fan bases are split over a lot of things. Minnesota split over their quarterback. Um, the Packers are split in a similar situation, although there's the GM split, the quarterback split, you know, the far the the Rodgers split, and then Steelers have a Tomlin split, a split apparently. Anyways, I'm not going to go through this whole thing. Looking at some of the other tidbits here, here are the players that they lost. It's a pretty pretty steep list. Uh, William Jackson, their cornerback, still a free agent. Cam Sutton went over to the Lions. We know Miles Jack, the linebacker. Man, that brings me back. I really liked him. He's still a free agent. Chris Wormley. Akella Witherspoon, the corner. I think he's a corner. Devin Bush, linebacker. Robert Spillane, linebacker. Derek Watt, the fullback. So that's uh, the Watt brother that nobody cares about. Jesse Davis, tackle. Tyson Alualu, edge rusher. Marcus Allen, safety. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, safety. Arthur Mallette, Trenton Scott. Steve Sims, Malik Reed, Anthony Miller, J.C. Hausenauer. So not as devastating as with the Rams, but I mean, Cam Sutton was their CB1 from a uh, snap standpoint. Solid cornerback, 70 coverage grade, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, Arthur Mallette was actually their CB3. So they lost their CB1 and CB3, leaving them with Levi, Levi Wallace, who had a 59 coverage grade last year. Uh, Miles Jack was their number one linebacker. Didn't really grade out super well, but, you know, again, it's still impactful. Um, that leaves Devin Bush still as their, I mean, their snaps were almost identical, but he is now LB1. Also doesn't grade out super well. Actually, you know what? I lied. Devin Bush is gone, too. And Robert Spillane. The, uh, the defense here is taking a bit of a hit. So CB1 and 3, both your starting linebackers. Uh, Wormley was your number 3 defensive tackle, which is significant, right? You got, generally have three, uh, three guys. It's a 3-4 defense. 
He had a 74 PFF grade, including a 78 run defense grade. Not the greatest uh, pass rusher, but I mean, that's, that's again, that's pretty impactful. Um, I mean, even Akello Witherspoon, I think, was their CB4. So 1, 3, and 4. They lost safety Terrell Edmonds to the Eagles. That was their number two safety behind Minka Fitzpatrick. He had a 70 PFF grade. So I, I, now that I'm looking at it a little closer, it, it, whether they're super good or not, they lost a lot of starters. Um, they lost edge three. So their top two edge rushers are still there, Alex Highsmith and, um, and TJ Watt. But their third pass rusher was Malik Reed. And they've got Alu-Alu listed as an edge rusher, but here he's PFF has him as a defensive tackle. So that would be their defensive tackle three and four are both gone. Alu-Alu wasn't good, but, you know, again, I mean, this is a lot of starters. And then to the linebacking group, they added um, Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts, two linebackers to replace these two guys. Don't expect that to be a big bump up. Cornerback, they added Patrick Peterson. That's a pretty solid, solid addition. I mean, he's an older guy, so it's not a long-term thing. So your CB1 went from Cam Sutton to Patrick Peterson. You're hoping that that's at least a lateral move. And then at safety, you replaced uh, Terrell Edmonds with Keanu Neal. Some other additions offensively, Isaac Suamalo, a guard. Allen Robinson, wide receiver, got in a trade. Right guard, Nate Herbig. So there you go. And then finally, the draft. um, First round offensive tackle, Broderick Jones. I was a fan of Broderick. We can look at their roster in a little bit, but I mean, this is the most vanilla, boring offensive line I think I've ever seen. Left tackle, Dan Moore, 62 grade. Left guard, Kevin Dotson, 65. Center, Mason Cole, 67. James Daniels, right guard, 66. Chukwuma Okorafor, right tackle, 61. I mean, it's the most boring. Nobody's bad at anything. Nobody's good at anything. So they're going to try to upgrade that with Broderick Jones. They added cornerback Joey Porter. Again, pretty big need. Uh, Nose tackle Keanu Benton. Also makes sense considering you lost two starting defensive tackles, including one that I mentioned was a um, run defender, so that would be where Keanu comes in. Tight end Darnell Washington. Hoping that doesn't pan out just because I was a big fan of his. And I'll be really sad if our two guys aren't super great and he ends up being some kind of freak. Uh, Nick Herbig, which is funny because they brought in Nate Herbig. Don't know if they're related, but I'm assuming they are. So Nate Herbig was brought in in a uh, in free agency. An outside linebacker, Nick Herbig, out of Wisconsin, was drafted. And then Corey Trice, another corner and offensive guard, Spencer Anderson. So as we look at their starters as they are, Kenny Pickett was the 18th best quarterback, 75 grade. Um, and again, if you look at the second half, really solid. We'll see how he continues. Uh, offensive line, as I already said, it's fine and probably improved. Like I said, they brought in Siamalu, already left guard, higher graded guy. He's up in the 70s. Otherwise, I think everything stays about the same. It's okay. We'll see what um, draft pick Broderick Jones is able to do. Maybe get a minor upgrade there. But um, solid running back, Najee Harris. You got Fryer Muth, who's a really good tight end. They got Pickens, who, you know, he had a 68 grade, which isn't the best. It's not the worst, but he obviously showed the flashes. Deontay Johnson at wide receiver is a solid option. I mean, everybody's just 60s. (laughs) 60s and 70s. Pickens, 68. Johnson, 69.6. Allen Robinson last year was a 66. So good enough and room for improvement. You know, Pickens, a picket and Pickens can grow. Harris can obviously get a little better. Harris and Fryermuth are both young players. Then on the defensive side, again, still pretty scary, but a lot of new faces. So Cam Hayward is still somehow an absolute freak at 34 years old. He's shown no signs of slowing down. Hopefully this is year one. Keanu Benton is a rookie. Uh, nobody else really on the inside. Then you got Watt and Highsmith on the outside. Very good edges. Although it is worth noting that TJ Watt had a slight down year. That doesn't mean bad, but we're talking, you know, number one pass rusher in 2019, number two in 2020, number six in 2021, number 19 in 2022. Again, this is all just about understanding things rightly. You know, we, we, we just know the name T.J. Watt and say, well, he's one of the best in football. Well, he was three years ago. That's true. But still very good. Corners, Peterson should be solid, but he's very volatile, 33 years old. Um, he just sort of has these great games. It, he, he is that flickering light bulb that I talk about, right? In his first... We'll, we'll disc, not include his rookie year. In his first five years, he had four good games and one bad game. After that, it was 69, 82, 66, right? Off on off. Then it was 50, 60, 70. So in his last three, he's had kind of, in his last four, it's been subpar and then one good year last year. 
So again, if you're asking me to put money down, does he have a good year or not? I'm going to say not, but we'll see. Steelers generally have a formidable defense. If he's going to continue to have a good year, it'll probably be there. And then Joey Porter is the other corner. Presuming he starts, we'll see. Holcomb and Roberts, brand new linebackers. Minka Fitzpatrick, still a very good linebacker. And then Keanu Neal is not super great. So now we'll see. They've got a really high ceiling. They've also got a relatively low floor, depending on how much this all impacts things. But the defensive front is scary. The offense seems like it could be something that could click. We'll see. Anywho's, why don't we take a quick break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. If you'd like to use Venmo, I'm over there at Packernet Podcast. Um, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, if you'd like to support them, you can find them at FertileGroundRanch.org. Please don't forget about the um, GoFundMe that we are supporting, pinned at the top of my Twitter, as well as the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so after our noon game on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so we had two home games go on the road against the Steelers, and then we're back home. Another noon game, Sunday at noon, against the L.A. Chargers. So the Chargers last year under Brandon Staley were 10-7. and At midseason, they were actually 6-6, six and six, and then they went on a really strong run, beat the Dolphins, the Titans, the Colts, and the Rams, then lost to the Broncos but still were able to get into the playoffs, went up against the Jacksonville Jaguars and lost 31-30. to they had the th- 13th ranked offense in terms of points. They were 21st on defense. Running the ball is where they're absolutely just horrific. They were the 30th ranked team in yards per attempt, just getting 3.8. They were dead last in run defense, giving up 5.4 yards per attempt. But uh, Staley's going into year three, but he's got a brand new offensive and defensive coordinator. He went with Dellen Mo- uh, Kellen Moore out of Dallas to be his offensive coordinator. And then... Uh, Looks like promoted Derek Ansley to be the defensive coordinator. He was their defensive backs coach. So they're projected nine and a half wins, which, you know, is relatively high. That's on the high end of the regression thing, especially since they had only 10 last year. But they have been trending in a positive direction. They were seven and nine and then nine and eight and then 10 and seven. I don't really want to read this entire thing here. A little snippet about the Chargers. But essentially, in 2021, they had a bottom 10 defense. They had no turnover luck. No close game luck, no fumble luck, no field goal luck. So they didn't have any of these balls bouncing in their direction to give them any help. They still won nine games, again, with a bottom 10 defense. Then they stacked the defense with Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Kyle Van Noy, Bryce Callahan, Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James, and Nasir Adderley. They didn't add all those guys, but that's who they added with. Um, those last four were guys that are already there and already pretty solid. They had a stud quarterback on a rookie deal. And so what um, what he wrote here is, unless injuries hold them back, the only thing stopping the Chargers and Justin Herbert from appearing in the Super Bowl is coaching. 
So injuries and coaching. And he says, unfortunately, both of those things were thorns in their side. Actually, you could argue they were worse than thorns. They were spears. He said, let's call out what I thought they needed to improve most heading into 2022. Number one, increase Justin Herbert's early down target depth. Number two, improve Herbert's play action target depth. Number three, use more play action from 12 personnel. The bottom line, did they do any of this stuff? Absolutely not. From 2020 to 2021, he's basically screaming. There's multiple, like, you know, multiple exclamation, question mark, question mark, question mark things in here in terms of them just not using Justin Herbert properly, specifically the depth of his throws because he's got a massive arm. Paragraph here says, Lombardi's first season was 2021, and whether it was a full game or the first three quarters, Herbert's target depth wasn't increased. It was decreased. Pure insanity. So what happened in 2022? 5.6 air yards per attempt. He ranked 47th out of 47 quarterbacks. 2022 quarters 1 through 3, 5.92 yards per attempt. He ranked 44th out of 47. Then Justin Herbert uh, fractured his rib cartilage, blah, 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 all kinds of problems, right? So they kind of had an all-in thing. I think they kind of looked at it too and said, hey, we're pretty good, despite the fact we don't have a defense. They got involved in that AFC West arms race, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, et cetera, et cetera, and it didn't really help. They won one more game. And so the, the staff clearly agreed that uh, coaching was a problem, fired the offensive and defensive coordinators, brought in brand new ones. We'll see what happens, but this was kind of a one-year thing, right? Anyways, they got rid of Drew Tranquil, linebacker, Matt Feeler, guard, Kyle Van Noy, edge rusher, Chase Daniel, the quarterback, DeAndre Carter, Bryce Callahan, Troy Reeder, Nasir Adderley, uh, surprisingly. He is still a free agent. Christian Covington, Richard Rogers. We can go grab him if we're bored. Tyler Davidson, Joe Graziano, Storm Norton, uh, blah, 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 all the way down. Don't really care. So they lost uh, 19 players. In free agency, they picked up Eric Kendricks from the Vikings, linebacker, and Nicholas Williams, defensive lineman. They paid $1.2 million. Then in the draft, and this this is the one that I, I really just don't understand. I mean, it, it's fine. If he's your favorite player or whatever, fine. They got wide receiver Quentin Johnston. I Okay. Then they got pass rusher Tui, Tui, Tui Pulotu, linebacker Dayon Henley, wide receiver Darius Davis, guard Jordan McFadden, defensive tackle Scott Matlock, quarterback Max Duggan. So I, I, I just feel like, and this has been the case for a long time, they kind of remind me of the Raiders where they've got some serious talent in certain areas, but they've got so many massive deficiencies and they just can't seem to fix them. And by the time they do, the talented guys are old and over the hill and outside the door. So Rashawn Slater was drafted in 2021 as their left tackle. He's fantastic. They drafted Zion Johnson last year. He did not have a super good rookie year. I mean, it was fine, but not that great. Corey Lindsley is still their center. He's 32 years old. So maybe he can be good for a little while, but it's going to be time to move on. Jamari Salyer is a sixth-round player in 2022. And then they have uh, Trey Pipkins at right tackle, who's really not very good. So the offensive line is kind of mid, and they didn't really do anything except draft a sixth-round player again. Gerald Everett ranked 16th last year, and that was kind of abnormally high, so they don't really have a super elite tight end. Then they got Herbert, who is a probably top 10-ish quarterback. He ranked 12th last year, but I think, you know, rib injury probably didn't help him a ton. Eckler, solid running back. Allen, fantastic wide receiver. Williams, fantastic wide receiver. And then they got another wide receiver. So they got a good quarterback, running back, and three good wide receivers. How many really good corners do they have? They got one and two completely garbage corners. How many good defensive tackles do they have? Zero. How many good linebackers do they have? Well, if you want to count Kendricks, you can, but I'm going to say zero. But you need a third wide receiver. I mean, I I get it. This is a team that is desperate to make Herbert look good, but I don't think a lack of weapons is really the problem. You've got two top 20 wide receivers already. You've got a top 15 running back, along with your top 10 quarterback. If you want to help them, build up the offensive line. Or how about fixing this freaking defense? Maybe if J.C. Jackson can kind of bounce back, you got yourself two solid corners. But you don't have any defensive tackles. You do not have linebackers. And you lost Nasir Adderley, so you've got a uh, you got Derwin James, who has actually gotten worse every single year. He was his grades were 88, 82, 78, and then 77. He's still solid, but it's it's you know it's slipping. So I mean, this is a a it's one of the teams that I would say is good enough to be a playoff team, not good enough to win the Super Bowl. It's just they're they're not there. The defense is so bad, and and they could easily miss the Super Bowl or the uh, playoffs. 
But it's a team that's going to be hard to slow down, if you, especially if you're struggling to get pressure or whatever, because Herbert's got now three weapons, depending on how good of a job Quentin Johnston does. So I can't really give you a prediction on how this is going to all pan out. we got to see how our defense and, and offense look, because again, this is a fringe playoff team for sure. And whether or not we're competitive with them is going to have to do, a lot of it is our defense. It doesn't take a very good offense to be able to handle this garbage. I mean, they do have Khalil Mack and Bosa, and that's always scary, for sure. But come on now. So after the Pittsburgh Steelers, we go uh, Thursday, Thanksgiving, to play the Detroit Lions. That's at Detroit, 11.30 a.m. We're going to skip that because we already talked about them. And we will end with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's almost not worth even talking about the Chiefs. We understand the Chiefs. You, you know who the quarterback is. You know who the tight end is. You know who the head coach is. It's pretty much all you need to know. But anyways, we'll talk about it. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, They uh, over the last three years, have won 14, 12, and 14 games. They're projected 11 and a half wins. Head coach Andy Reid, uh, been there for 10 years, so this is year 11. Matt Nagy is back at offensive coordinator, so you could call that new if you wanted to, but let's face it, it's not. He left Chicago, went back to be Kansas City's quarterback coach, and then when their offensive coordinator got hired away, Matt Nagy resumed his old job as the offensive coordinator. Steve Spagnolo is going into year five on the defense, so just keeping things steady as she goes. If there's any reason to start feeling down on this team, which I was starting to get there. I mean, they were slipping, and then I don't know what the heck happened. They came back. But the contract for the Pat Mah- for Pat Mahomes is pretty suffocating. Last year, it was at 36, which is already pretty high and, and causes some constraints. This year, it's just a shade under 40. Next year, it's 46 and a half. It's a hefty contract, and I don't really expect them to start reworking this. So it's going to go from 47 to 49, then it's down for a year to 42, then it jumps to 62. And that's probably when they're going to have to do some kind of shimmy shake. I don't really know. Who knows how, how they're going to restructure this through the years, but it's, it's burdensome to have $40 million in the cap tied up in a quarterback. So last year, we already know they lost Tyreek Hill. Shockingly, that seemed to have no effect on the team whatsoever. This year, they lost left tackle Orlando Brown. Should be a big hit, right? We'll see. He went over to the Bengals. Juju Smith-Schuster, another wide receiver, went to the Patriots. Andrew Wiley, right tackle, went to the Commanders. Juan Thornhill, solid safety, went to the Browns. Frank Clark, longtime edge rusher for them, went to the Broncos. Kalen Saunders, defensive tackle, went to the Saints. Mecole Hardman, wide receiver, went to the Jets. So that's two wide receivers this year. Carlos Dunlap, edge rusher, gone. Chad Henney, quarterback, gone. Brandon Williams, Michael Burton, the fullback. Ronald Jones, the running back. And Darius Harris, the linebacker, all gone. Additions through free agency. Jawan Taylor, tackle. Charles Amenahu, edge rusher. Donovan Smith, left tackle. Drew Tranquil, linebacker, Mike Edwards, safety, Blaine Gabbert, quarterback, Richie James, wide receiver, Matt Dickerson, defensive tackle, Chris Williams, defensive tackle, Lamar Jackson, cornerback. So they actually spent kind of a lot of money in free agency. Some of these are smaller number guys, but, you know, Mike Edwards, Drew Tranquil, and Donovan Smith is about $10 million. Charles Amenahu, they spent $8 million. And Juwan Taylor, average per year, $20 million. In the draft, they added pass rusher Felix Enudike Uzama, wide receiver Rasheed Rice, tackle Wanya Morris, safety Chamari Connor, linebacker B.J. Thompson, defensive tackle Keandre Coburn, and cornerback Nick Jones. So again, I mean, from a starter standpoint, obviously Travis Kelsey's the number one guy there, but Juju Smith-Schuster did have a 72 receiving grade. He was their number one wide receiver, their number two receiving option. He's gone. Miko um, Hardman was wide receiver three. He went to the Jets which would leave Marquez Valdez-Scantling as their number one wide receiver on the team, which is freaking inconscionable. Richie James was added, as it, as was Rasheed Rice, so we'll see. But in terms of targets for wide receivers, number one was Juju, number two was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Juju is gone. That's pretty wild. Uh, losing Orlando Brown, pretty big deal. He had a 70 run blocking grade, a 77 pass blocking grade. Good football player. They're paying a ton of money for Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith. Well, Donovan is only three, but um, both of those guys have graded out pretty terribly. Donovan Smith had a good 2021, but that's about it. He ranked 66th as a tackle last year with a 40 run blocking grade and a 71 pass blocking grade. Then on the right side, which is where they're spending all their money for Juwan Taylor, $20 million a year, he's never graded out as a good tackle. Um, 
Now, granted, he he still got the pass. I mean, they kind of run like the Packers, I guess. I don't care about run blocking. Give me pass blocking. 39 run blocking grades, 76 pass blocking. So I guess that's the formula. We'll happily pay you if you can keep our quarterback safe. I couldn't give a crap about running the ball. But his overall grades in four years, 63, 56, 60, and 59. That's where he stands. So I don't really care what anybody says. I think they went backwards on offensive line, but the interior is still solid. Creed Humphrey's the number one center in football. Uh, Trey Smith, right guard, is solid. Um, Thune, Joe Thune is a solid left guard. Kelsey's number one. Pat Mahomes is number one. Humphrey's number one. Blah, frickin' blah, blah, blah. Running back's no good, but they don't care. And then again, they have a defense that I have I find and will always find underwhelming. Um, they do have a great defensive tackle in Chris Jones. He actually was the number one defensive tackle, which is crazy, because that choking, uh, choke-slamming defensive tackle in L.A. still exists. But that's really it. I mean, they have George Karloftis, who was a first-round pick last year. He had a 50 PFF grade last year. They have Charles Amenahu, who was ranked 43rd off the edge last year. They got uh, Derek Nadi, who ranked 119th with a 37 PFF grade as a defensive tackle. That's their defensive front, with the exception of Jones. It's terrible. The corners might be good. Legereus Sneed randomly had a good year last year. We'll see if he can maintain that. And McDuffie, who was a first-round pick in 2022, actually had a really solid rookie year. But the linebackers all grayed out as pretty average with the exception of Nick Bolton. Then they have Justin Reed, who ranked 32nd among safeties, and Brian Cook, who ranked 67th among safeties. It's underwhelming. Are they going to be able to be good at their job? Probably, because they always get it done. Last year, the defense ranked 16th. And when you have the number one offense by a mile in points and yards and first downs and passing yards and passing touchdowns and net yards per attempt and scrimmage percentage and blah blah freaking blah i guess the 16th defense is sufficient but i don't know i don't I don't know what it's going to take i mean you got to figure out how to generate pressure against pat mahomes and shut down kelsey i, I don't know why i don't I, I this is why andy reed has to be no no disrespect to mahomes he's fantastic obviously but this is why Mah- pat andy reed has got to be the best head coach in football i don't care about shanahan i mean he's he's fantastic but I mean, what What in the world? They, they lost Tyreek, and it's like, nah, we'll figure it out. Now they lost Juju, and they're like, nah, we'll be fine with MVS. Like, are you kidding me? You got Mahomes and Kelsey, and that's it. All somebody has to do is shut down Kelsey, and they win? And nobody can do that? I don't know. I am, I am praying for the downfall of the Chiefs desperately, and I don't necessarily see it happening, because it seems like as long as you've got... And I don't even know if it's, you know, when Kelsey leaves, which has got to be kind of soon, right? How many Super Bowls is the guy? He's 33, going to be 34 this year. He's got to be packing it in kind of soon, right? Are they done, or are they just going to find anybody else, just dump all that money into one good wide receiver or something, they'll be fine? Make some trade? I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just Mahomes and Reed, and they're good. Doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. Doesn't matter who the wide receivers are. Doesn't matter if they have a run game. Doesn't matter if they have a defense. That's, I mean, that's just, that's remarkable, man. Really remarkable. Andy Reed is a gifted human being anyways uh, i'm gonna leave it at that we'll cover the last three tomorrow you guys have a good rest of your day i'll talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye